This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am Jeremy Myers, your teacher for this podcast. This is episode number 96. We're looking at Jonah 4-7. I know last week I indicated that maybe I would look at two verses, <laughs> but you should know by now if you've been listening to this podcast, I have trouble covering more than one verse. That's why it's the One Verse Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about whether or not God is a God of love and justice. You ever heard someone say that? Usually it might be said in the discussion of hell or something like that. You know, you might object to the idea that God um, torments people in hell forever and ever. You might say, that doesn't sound very loving. And someone else will say, well, you know, God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. In other words, you know, God wants to forgive. He wants to love, but he must be just. So he must punish people for their sin. Is that true? Must God punish people for their sin? Does God punish people for their sin? We're going to see today that while it is true that God is both merciful and just, both forgiving and just, well, we'll be seeing today is how, how God's forgiveness and love and mercy fits with the justice of God. That's what we'll be discussing from Jonah 4, 7. I also discuss this in my book, The Atonement of God. If you've read this book, then uh, you know it looks at 10 truths which we learn from the crucifixion of Jesus. When we read scripture, understand God and ourselves and human culture through the lens of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And one of those 10 things is a chapter on forgiveness, which is also related to a chapter on justice. So uh, I argue that God cannot forgive and also be just, at least the way we humans understand justice. He must be either just or forgiving. He cannot be both. And uh, I think the biblical evidence reveals that God chooses forgiveness over the human idea of justice. Uh, To learn more, we will talk about it today, but also you can get a copy of my book, The Atonement of God, on Amazon. And as of 2018, that book will also be available in Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Apple iTunes Bookstore, and a couple other places, all right? So, uh, but that's still six weeks away before they're available everywhere else. Right now, you have to get it on Amazon. Anyway, uh, let's briefly consider a similar idea today from Jonah chapter 4, verse 7. So basically, just as things are starting to look up for Jonah, remember at the end of verse 6, we saw that God had caused this nice plant to grow and give Jonah some shade. And so uh, things are fine. He's finally happy for the first time in the story. And just as they're starting to look up, the text says, verse 7, that God prepared a worm. Uh, the, the terminology here is the same terminology used in 117, where God prepared this great fish to come and swallow Jonah. So here God prepares or God sends a worm. Now, uh, again, lots of scholars 
waste lots of ink trying to figure out from the text what kind of worm this was. You can read paragraphs and pages even of discussion on this and debate about this worm. What was the worm? You know, how did it eat this plant? Okay, and was it an aphid? Was it a weevil? Right? You know, again, by now, you've been listening to this podcast. We scholars, we sometimes love to focus on the unimportant details of the text while ignoring the important details. All right, we don't know what type of vine it was. We don't know what type of fish was it was in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 2. And we don't know what kind of worm it was, and it doesn't really matter. Okay, let's move on then. The text goes on to say the worm was sent by God at the rising of the dawn the next day. All right, uh, and this, remember, as we've been pointing out, the, the rising of the dawn is uh, obviously a reference to the sun. And in that time, in that culture for Jonah, there in Assyria, next to Nineveh, going outside of the Shamash gate, uh, the gate of Shamash, this is Syrian sun god. Uh, this reference, of course, is a reference, once again, to the Assyrian gun, sun god, Shamash, which was the god of justice. Uh, and, and so by going out this east gate, Jonah is indicating that he wants justice done on Nineveh. And, and the reference to the rising of the sun, then, indicates that justice is about to come. <laughs> justice is rising. But who is it rising upon? It's rising upon Jonah. Now, the fact that the text mentions the next day does not necessarily indicate that the plant grew in one day and then the worm killed it the next day. All right, we sort of talked about this in the previous podcast episode. It just means that after the plant had grown, however long it took, uh, God sent a worm on the next day. All right? And uh, then the text says that at dawn, uh, the worm attacked the vine so that it withered. Now, the word for attack here... Uh, it sometimes is translated as kill in various English translations. That's really much too weak. It's a, it's a violent, the worm violently and ravenously attacked the vine. And so God, God previously prepared the vine to cover Jonah, and now God prepares a worm to attack the vine. And, and there's two things to note from this. Uh, first, as just stated, Jonah has been seeking justice throughout this entire story. Uh, now, based on Jonah's behavior, it was unjust for God to send the plant to provide shade for Jonah, and it was perfectly just for God to kill the plant, right? Remember, Jonah's behavior, he's been the worst sinner throughout the entire text, and so sending the plant is actually the opposite of justice. Killing the plant is perfect justice. Jonah didn't deserve the plant in the first place. Once he had it, um, and he didn't deserve the shade either, you know, that the plant provided. But once he had it, <laughs> justice is to, to take it away. And so it's interesting here that when Jonah begins to experience one tiny bit of justice for himself, he doesn't like it one bit. Uh, Jonah preferred injustice over justice when it comes to God's actions toward him. Very important point in the text. Second, the text raises here the silly idea of plant justice. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard environmentalists talk about plant justice or anything like that, environment justice, something like that, but, but it is sort of raised here uh, in a roundabout way. The, Jonah has been focusing only on justice for Nineveh and justice for himself. Uh, and the implied question here in the text is, what about the plant? 
All right, now this is a sort of a silly uh, question for, for God to raise, but it's going to serve as a launch pad for a discussion about, uh, about Nineveh. So in, in the following verses, you'll see uh, God and Jonah engage in this discussion about was it right for God to create and then destroy the plant? And then this, the, the, the way God words this question is exactly the same way he worded the question earlier about is it right for God to create and then destroy Nineveh? Okay, so if it was unjust for the plant, then how much more will it be unjust for God to destroy Nineveh? All right, so it's sort of this silly thing. I don't really think that uh, there's this idea of plant justice here, but but the idea is that God uses this idea of justice towards the plant, justice towards Jonah, to then transition to this concept of justice towards Nineveh. And we'll see how God uh, shows justice towards Nineveh. In, in future podcast episodes as we work towards closing out this study of Jonah. Now, just for the rest of our time today, let's let's talk this uh, about this relationship between love and justice, between forgiveness and justice, between mercy and justice. We've seen Jonah. Jonah is fine with God loving the sinners of Nineveh, right? But he wants the justice of God to destroy Nineveh as well. Go ahead and love him, God, but but you also need to show justice. Right? God is a God of love and justice. That's what Jonah believes. Uh, according to Jonah, justice demands that even though God loves the people of Nineveh, justice demands that God righteously punish the people of Nineveh. Right? And that's, again, as we started out this podcast episode, that's often what we Christians say. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. Right? We say, well, God can love evil people, evil sinners, but justice requires that he punished them for their evil ways. Well, according to what God says and does in the story of Jonah, here with the plant, previously with Jonah, and then just as a little foreshadowing, what we will see him do. Well, what he's, we've already seen him do with Nineveh, and he's going to explain it to Jonah. It appears that God himself does not agree with this idea about, you know, he's a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. What we're seeing is that God challenges this entire way of thinking. Maybe that's not exactly correct. Uh, God does agree. He is a God of love and justice. It's just that the justice of God doesn't exactly look the way we humans think. In fact, the justice of God is actually accomplished through mercy and forgiveness. All right? And this is because mercy and forgiveness are incompatible with justice. We sometimes say that justice is the other side of the coin of forgiveness. It's actually the exact opposite. Uh, let, me, let me explain this another way. Um, you cannot forgive and also demand justice. If you forgive someone, then you cannot turn around and demand that they or someone else receive the just punishment that they deserve. You, you cannot punish someone for what they did, you know, that's justice, and then turn around and forgive them for it, for what they did. When someone uh, does something bad, all right, and you are in a position to make them suffer consequences for their behavior, you can either forgive them or you can give them justice, but you cannot do both. 
And if you choose justice over forgiveness, then, then forgiveness is no longer needed and vice versa. Let me give you a practical example. Imagine someone robs a bank. And I think this is the example I used in my book, The Atonement of God. Well, imagine someone robs a bank, and so they get arrested and they go to court. All right? And the thief is sorry. He's very sorry he robbed the bank. Nevertheless, it's quite unlikely that the judge is going to forgive him and let him go. Right? That's not what judges do. Judges don't forgive people. Judges judge people. So in this instance, the judge gives the bank robber 20 years in prison, all right? And that's justice, we would say. Or maybe it's 10 years. I don't know how long a person gets for bank robbery, but whatever. Now, let's just say 20 years. Now, 20 years later, 20 years go by, and the robber serves his time, and he is released from prison. When that robber goes out the front gates of the prison, would it be fair, would it be right, for the judge to meet him there and say, I forgive you for what you did, and so now you can get free. You can go free from prison. Well, of course not. (laughs) After the prison sentence has been served, justice has been done, and the opportunity for forgiveness is long gone. The criminal served his time, and he's now getting out of jail as a result of justice not the result of forgiveness. And after justice is served, you can't say, I forgive you now. (laughs) There's no forgiveness, all right? It's only justice. This is how sin, this is how it works when we sin against God. When our sins are brought before him, he can either serve justice or he can serve forgiveness, but he he cannot serve both, right? Uh, In fact, it could be argued then that from God's perspective, Forgiveness is true justice. We sometimes say justice is blind, right? And that's because, you know, let's say the judge in this case, let's say the thief is his very own son. Now, so when the thief comes before the judge, the judge must make a decision. Is he going to be a judge or is he going to be a loving, merciful father? Now, some of us might say, well, Uh, the son deserves punishment for his sin, and so uh, the loving thing for the father to do is to to send him to prison, despite him being the father, okay? But this is the point. Justice is blind sometimes, and it does not take extenuating circumstances into consideration or an understanding of the intent of the law. Even if such an application of the law is inherently unjust. Uh, just, let, let me put it this way. Justice never allows for things like love, relationship, or friendship to enter into the equation of how justice is served. A just judge is supposed to be impartial and fair, treating everyone equally, whether they are the world's worst criminal or his very own child. A just judge is supposed to hand down the same sentence for a particular crime, no matter what reasons the person had for committing that crime or what the relationship that judge might have with the person who committed it, right? A a judge cannot care about the person who is being judged. At least, he cannot care for them in a way that's going to affect his judgment. The judgments of a judge who cares about the person on the bench usually cannot be trusted. All right? 
such a judge would have to recuse himself. Someone else would have to judge that case. Now, does that describe God? Is God an uncaring judge? (laughs) No, in fact, he's the opposite. He does care. He cares deeply. He wants to have a deep personal relationship with each and every person who appears before him on the bench. He sees each and every person as his very own child, and he loves them more than he loves his own life. And because of his great love for each guilty person, God does not want to see justice served. Instead, he wants mercy and forgiveness to be extended. And this, according to what we see over and over and over again in Scripture, it doesn't seem right to us, but it is what Scripture reveals. This means that God is not a just judge. He's a a partial judge. He has great partiality towards the people that he judges. And if God can, he always prefers to extend mercy and forgiveness and love rather than justice. Why? Well, because he knows the extenuating circumstances. He knows what led a person to commit a particular crime. He knows all the small mistakes and the anger, and the frustration, and the lack of sleep, and the health problems, and the fight that led to this action, and that activity, and those words. He knows all of these things that led bit by bit, step by step, up to that colossal crime. He knows there was a tempter whispering lies in our ears. He knows about the absent parent, or parents, the financial crisis, the health concern, the need for acceptance, the threat of starvation, the depression, the anger, the strife, the poverty, the abusive relationship, the ignorance about the law or how to apply it, or just the mistakes that were made. Whatever else might have led up to the accused person making the decision they did, God knows about all that. You think about the things that you have done, all right? Think about any bad thing you have done. Typically, if you're like me, if you're like any other person, you think, well, I I did do that, whatever it is. I did say that. I did commit that sin. I did commit that crime. But you have to understand, and you start to go through the series of events, the circumstances that led up to that. We are very good at justifying, excusing our own behavior. Now, we don't see all of the things that led up to these behaviors in other people. And so we tend to not look at those things in other people. But God does know. God does see all. He does understand all. And so God does forgive all. Someone once said, to know all is to forgive all. And that's exactly the case with God. In your life or in the life of somebody else, God sees. He knows. He understands. And so as he sits there as judge, we're on the bench, the guilty criminal on the bench, God looks at us and he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And I decide as judge that you are 
not guilty. You are forgiven. You are set free. And that is God's justice. We don't like it when it's extended towards someone else, but we love it when it's extended towards us. Well, God loves it when it's extended towards all people. Yes, God desires justice. Micah 6, 8, right? He seeks justice and is delighted by it. Jeremiah 9, 24. Uh, justice is often set against violence. Isaiah 5, 7. All these verses about justice, right? So, so true justice isn't opposed to mercy, but true justice is through mercy and by mercy. God is mercifully just and justifiably merciful. Right? It's we humans that have this sort of twisted sense of, of mercy and justice. But in the Bible, we see that justice and judgment, they don't fall exactly within the realm of punishment, but within the realm of setting things right, naming things for what they really are. I'll be talking more about this in my Gospel Dictionary course when we talk about justice and judgment. Uh, justice and judgment are God's balancing of things that have become unbalanced. God's justice is restorative. He seeks to use justice to redeem, reconcile, and restore people to all that he wants for them. And how is it that restorative justice works through mercy? Well, it works by offering free and unconditional forgiveness. And God forgives not because someone paid him off, Jesus, us, Satan, somebody else, but because he is love. God forgives because that's the loving thing to do. And no payment is necessary. Again, if God gets paid off, the criminal pays his debt, serves his time, then God's getting paid off and he cannot extend forgiveness. But because God is love, he extends forgiveness. No payment is necessary. In order for God to truly be just, he extends free and unconditional forgiveness. This is how God's justice works. For only true and free forgiveness can actually break the cycle of vengeance and retaliation. So anyway, to break it all down, what does the justice of God look like? Looks like forgiveness. So we need to be very careful when we begin to think that God cannot forgive or cannot extend mercy, grace, and deliverance to a certain person or a certain class of people, a certain group of people because, you know, who they are and what they've done, right? If that were the case, then God would not be able to extend mercy, grace, love, forgiveness, deliverance to anybody, even you and me, because nobody in this world is without fault. Everybody is complicit in evil and violence and sin. And so if God must righteously destroy violent sinners, then he must righteously destroy all of us. But God doesn't want to do that, which is why he forgives. And if he forgives you and me, well, then he must also forgive others, including those people we think he shouldn't forgive couldn't forgive. He must not forgive. But he does. And for God, that is justice. So the book of Jonah, it, it does talk about the justice of God. God is just. But his justice looks nothing like human justice. The justice of God looks nothing like what Jonah wants for justice. Human justice 
is not like the justice of God. Uh, human justice is actually injustice. We'll be talking a bit more about this in future podcasts. But look, if you want to learn more, I know I sort of covered a lot of ground. I do try to explain this more in my book, The Atonement of God. And again, that book has 10 truths which we learn, which are revealed through the crucifixion of Jesus. I call it the crucivision because if we look at everything through Jesus Christ and him crucified, we look at God, scripture, ourselves, this world, we see a whole new set of beautiful truths emerge. And I uncover, I reveal, I explain to you 10 of those in my book, The Atonement of God. One of them is this relationship between God's forgiveness and God's justice. And if you want to learn more about forgiveness and justice, again, I mentioned it in, uh, just previously, I do cover both of these words in my online course, The Gospel Dictionary. So if you're interested in learning more that way, make sure you join my discipleship group at redeeminggod.com join. And then uh, you get that entire course, 52 keywords of the gospel, the entire course for free. Anyway, uh, whether you buy the book or join the discipleship group or maybe both, I hope you come to see that God gives justice to you and to others primarily by forgiving us for all our sins. This is the only way a loving father can actually be just toward his children. So thanks for reading my books. Thanks for listening to this podcast, joining me in the online discipleship group, wherever it is you and I connect. And we will pick back up here next week with Jonah 4.8. Until then, and as always... Keep following Jesus wherever it is he leads. Mm-hmm.